Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Arsenal suffer defeat in Porto thanks to Galeno's late goal. The Gunners have it all to do in the second leg at Emirates Stadium. It's the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and we're going to review that first leg defeat. To the left-hand side for Vieira. He'll play it through to Gabriel Jesus, who's in here for Arsenal. Gabriel Jesus to finish it off. Oh, what a way to do it! Gabriel Jesus seals the points for Arsenal. He's back, and he's back with a bang. Into the penalty area it goes. Gabriel Keller, and it's into the back of the net. Arsenal take an early lead through Gabriel. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the daily Arsenal podcast with me, Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Coming to you live around about 20 minutes or so after the full-time whistle at the Dragao in Porto, where Arsenal were beaten 1-0 by Sergio Conceição's side. It was a really, really dull game. I've got to say that. Um, We're going to try and make sense of why that was. We're going to try... And bring some calm because I know there'll be a lot of people out there losing their minds, given the form that Arsenal were in, uh, of course, going into this tie. I think a lot of people thought that the Gunners would go there and and essentially blow Porto out of the water on their own patch. And this wouldn't be um, any kind of competition, but it was. It's the UEFA Champions League. It's the knockout stages. And you've got to take everybody seriously, as we've been saying in the build-up. I'm delighted to say that alongside me is Tariq from Tariq Talks. Tariq, uh, welcome back to the show, mate. Great to have you. I wish we were talking about a victory rather than a defeat, but it is what it is. How are you doing? Yeah, man, it's great to be back, Harry, but um, not under these circumstances. I feel very frustrated at the moment. That's the word. Annoyed from the Arsenal performance. Not really much anger or complete disappointment because we are still within the first leg. But yeah, there was plenty not to like about the Arsenal performance, especially in the first half. Um, But yeah, we do have to remember, guys, that there is a second leg. I'm sure we'll talk about every um, frustrating decision that the players made, the performances and what Arteta could have done better because um, check out Harry's Twitter, guys. He, As he mentioned in the show yesterday, some certain changes. I'm sure we would have spoken about what we could have done in hindsight as well. It's a hard one because going into the game, I was sure that going with Jorginho and Rice in midfield was the right thing. And at half time, I was sure that going with Jorginho and Rice was the right thing because I felt like we struggled to move the ball through the lines quick enough. And I have to say that I thought Porto did a really, really good job of, you know, managing those spaces in which we normally do quite a bit of damage 
managing the half spaces in which Odegaard likes to drift into, in which the left eight likes to drift into. So I think you have to give them their credit and their praise. But even when Jorginho came on, and I know it was only with about, what, 20 or so minutes to go, I don't think it actually made that much difference. So although I did put out a tweet saying, you know, at half time that I thought Jorginho would start and or should start, and if he did, maybe things would be a bit different. Actually, now that I'm kind of reflecting on the game, now that it's over, I'm not sure that that would have done it either. What do you put Arsenal's lacklustre display tonight down to? We'll come on to talk about the goal. We'll come on to talk about some of the other incidents. We'll discuss some individual performances. We're even going to bring you some player ratings a little bit later on. But in in terms of a, a summary, Tariq, of why you think it was that Arsenal weren't quite at the races tonight, um, you, you know, what what are your your immediate thoughts, I guess? The two real things that spring to mind when I think when I was watching that performance and within the first 10 minutes, I thought we were really nervous. It felt like the occasion kind of got to the players a little bit, knowing that we are in a European tie in the round of 16 for the first time in seven years. And it's a first experience for a lot of these players and, and everyone in an Arsenal shirt, um, to be, in fact. But I felt the nerves was there, it's clear to see lacking that sort of experience to um, to show and really put your foot um, into it and really show why you are the favourites, why you are have been in such good form. I think that's a big thing um, within the first half as well. And then looking at it within the second half, again, um, I know it's easy to say this when you don't play well and there is a defeat, but having that lack of options within the team to make any changes and to make some sort of um, rotation, you know, the injury injured players that we have out, there's a lot been spoken about that, missing key individuals who are experienced and being within the deeper stages of the Champions League as well uh, and in other tournaments and, and, and competitions and knockout competitions. I felt like we did miss that and um, we just didn't manage the occasion quite well. We saw lackadaisical errors in the very beginning from Declan Rice, William Saliba um, looking shaky at, at certain points. I both, again, there was key moments where both of them, I thought, played well and they did show their talent, but we saw uncharacteristic um, like errors from, from some individuals. And yeah, I just really had that sense from the off and um, we wasn't able to get key individuals involved in the game in, in, in progressive areas. And yet credit to Porto and how aggressive they were. That was one thing I noticed when with Trossard dropping deep against Burnley and West Ham, he wasn't trapped and he found a lot of space. And then that freed up the space for Havertz to go and run into, whereas their centre-backs were very aggressive. So we just couldn't find those answers within the team um, on, from off the bench as well with only with us making what only one substitution in that so says a lot so yeah I feel like that's the key part Harry lacking that know-how in managing certain moments and and really having that confidence of yeah we're at home with this competition now we're at home with this and I didn't feel like we showed that tonight I felt going into the game that the atmosphere and the occasion could play a part in the outcome and I say that because I travelled to Lens earlier this season and watched an Arsenal side that were far superior to their opponents in terms of talent and quality, essentially wilt under pressure. And, you know, we were beaten that day. And I don't think that anybody of an Arsenal persuasion anticipated what we faced when we arrived there. You know, it was hostile. It was um, an electric atmosphere. They were at it 
um, from the very, very start. And and they really, really wanted uh, to make a mark and almost show the Premier League side, if you like, that they are here to compete. Um, and I felt that this could be a problem at the Dragao, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, I was at the Dragao earlier this season for their game against Barcelona. And I just thought the place was incredible. The atmosphere, the mood. I don't think it was popping off tonight in comparison to kind of how I've seen the Dragao before. But you looked at the kind of Arsenal players as the camera panned along the line of them while the Champions League anthem was playing. And there were some players that looked like they were really kind of taking it in, maybe were a little bit too pumped. Declan Rice being one because he went and picked up a yellow card, what, a minute and a half into the game or whatever it was. Um, but there were also some players that looked like they were a bit nervous. And, and just glancing at the live chat, it seems that a lot of our listeners feel that was the case, that Arsenal were, to use someone's quote, bricking it from the beginning. Do you think there was a bit of that there tonight? Yeah, definitely. Because when you look at Saliba, I think he embodies that um, calm, composure. When we look at him as a centre-back under pressure in some of the biggest games that Arsenal have had in, in recent times up against the best in Europe in, in Liverpool and, and Manchester City. But Tonight, very sloppy in possession. I think there's tactical reasons for that as, there too. Uh, playing in that right sort of centre-back position instead of the central centre-back role, which he's been accustomed to. And that's the, the adjustment that we made in in the, in the last couple of games. Um, I think he really does sh show that. When we start to feel nervous with him, then the players that transmits across the team, loose passes. As you mentioned, when you said about Jorginho, there's one, there's, I think there was a couple of occasions where he played loose balls that went out for a throw in. And you expect that sort of calm composure from what we've seen. The, the performance that comes to mind is Newcastle away. So we've seen him do it in those um, hostile stadiums. And I did, and I agree with you. I don't think the Dragao was as hostile, as an intense as it could be. Um, but yeah, I definitely do. there is an element of that and it's hard to kind of shake that up. Maybe it, it, at times it is easy to fall back and talk about those, you know, the, the intangibles of the game when we don't quite look as well. But it, it looked like it was staring. It was like clear and obvious within the opening minutes of that. And um, we, we struggled to progress the ball from deep. There seemed to be a bit of tentativeness, which... It was a clear message from what we saw in the first five, ten minutes of the second half that Arteta was telling them at half time to be more progressive, take be a bit more adventurous, make your passes forward in that second half. As we saw that switch to Martinelli happen a little bit more and get a bit again, we didn't really create anything out of that, but getting further advanced up the pitch um, in in that, and we didn't really create anything. And that goes down to Martinelli, and we'll, we'll talk about his performance later on. So definitely an element of, of bricking it. And this is what I'm going to take of a bit of a positive with this Harry's because this is an experience now. We've seen this young side learn and develop quite quickly. We've had that. We're going into the second leg. Um, at home and let's uh, of course we're going to have a lot more confidence there in terms of what we can do and, and chances that we create and maybe that we might get a bit more favorable decisions as well because there was a very uh, lot of soft calls from the referee which you tend to get in a way um, when you're at home in in European football but I hope that we can take this forward and learn and, and if we do progress and that, that the next time we do play away from home, that we will really kick on from this and as we come up against tougher opposition if we do progress throughout the group, I mean, the, the Champions League. There's been a lot of talk about the referee in the live chat so far 
And I did think he was a little bit picky and I did think he was a little bit fussy. And from the very off, I think he set the tone in terms of, you know, all of those things that I've just mentioned. He was going to give every little thing. He was going to be, um, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but he was going to be everything I expect from a Champions League referee, essentially, in that there is a lower bar with regards to a lot of things, the physical contact, the pushing and shoving that you'll get away with from a set piece. In the Premier League, there seems to be a higher bar with regards to when it is that referees intervene in that stuff. In Europe, it is different. And I think when you're a team that like to overpower people in certain situations, like Arsenal have done recently, when you're a team that likes to block and create channels for one another when attacking with set pieces, you are going to be physical. And in the Champions League, you're going to get away with less. I think that is clear. And from the very beginning, Tariq, those Porto players were at the referee, weren't they? Every little push, every little shove, every little niggle in the box, they were all over it. They were making the most of it. They were constantly trying to make an issue of it. And I think what they did a really, really good job of was disrupting our rhythm and disrupting our flow. And I think when you are the weaker of the two sides on paper, that's a great way of levelling the playing field. Arsenal went into this game with so much momentum, with so much rhythm, with so much confidence. Mikel Arteta picked the same team that he's been picking because of that, essentially. I know he said before the game that maybe that was partly due to not having other players available. I get that. But he wanted the momentum to carry through to tonight. And Porto did an excellent job of essentially pissing on our parade and making sure that we weren't able to carry that momentum into this game because of its stop-start nature. And for me, they're a really, really streetwise side with a really, really streetwise manager. And that caused us problems tonight in terms of it preventing us from hitting top gear at any given point in this game. Now, I, I, we'll take it right back to the beginning. So we we mentioned the starting lineup, right? And the starting lineup was Raya in goal, Kivior continued at left-back, Gabriel and Saliba at centre-halves with White at right-back, Rice, Havertz and Odegaard were in midfield and Martinelli, Trossard and Saka played in attack. Easier to do this with hindsight, I know, but would you have done anything differently looking at how it kind of panned out now? Or is it unfair to say that given we'd won 6-0 at West Ham and then 5-0 um, at Burnley, is it unfair to say that Mikel Arteta should have done something different? Yeah, I do. I do think it is pretty unfair because going into it, I'm from looking on Twitter and seeing from a lot of the fans is that they were happy to see an unchanged lineup, finally going to build some momentum and some rhythm within the team. Um, as we we look like we have, we, this is our best team that we have available, especially in the back line at the moment. We are very much threadbare in that position. I thought. On that left back, in that left back role, we've seen Kivior grow a bit more in confidence in um, in the last couple of games. Especially, it was from one moment where he made that clearance against Kudus, we really started to see him grow a little bit more. But we started to see the concerns that that arose from him playing at left back against Fulham, left back against PSV. I remember when we speak, you, you were speaking about it, we, we Bakayoko gave him a, a tough time in that game there. And then we had Conte Sal, who was a, a tricky opponent, a very nippy, small, like um, agile, low centre of gravity winger, which is 
what we've seen him kind of struggle against with someone with that quick burst and acceleration. And he beat him a couple of times and got him on a, a yellow card. And that's where their big chance came from in that in that in that first half with Galeno. It comes from across from that their right, our left. So yeah, it's, it's you can't really look at Arteta and say the changes that he he must make, but we can see that he is our third choice left back, potentially even fourth choice left back in that role. And and yeah, you can see he's not quite as comfortable and, and even in possession as well. Um, he, he, he didn't, when he didn't look anywhere near as comfortable as he did against Burnley, I'd say, making the type of passes with the quality that he was making too. But that goes for everyone. So it's a bit harsh for me to just directly go and give you all his passes there. But defensively, I, di- I didn't think we had that solidity that we've shown um, as in, in previous games. And um, I thought you'd get coming up against a better opponent in who is a lot more streetwise, as you said, Harry, were able to try and pick us up in the transition and, and the counter-attack. To be fair, like we, we're talking about the defence and, and maybe it not being as solid as it normally is. Porto didn't really create anything, though, did they? So from that perspective, I find it difficult to kind of, you know, go at the defence specifically. I think that there were things and there were moments where, for example, Saliba didn't look as comfortable as he normally does. Um, but I, I don't really want to pin this on the defence because the statistic that that comes that jumps off the page to me when I look at this is the fact that this was the first time in two years that Arsenal failed to register a shot on target. Now, that suggests to me that we didn't do enough at that end of the pitch to be, you know, coming away with anything really of note. And unfortunately, it is the UEFA Champions League. And when teams um, of that quality, you know, are your opposition, there will be moments where they punish you. A moment of brilliance from Galeno is what we saw on 93, 94 minutes, which ultimately got their noses in front going into the second leg. I don't want to criticise the lineup either because I think, you know, I, I, I said my bit about Jorginho. I probably would have started him going into the game. Um, but I'm happy to sit, well, not happy to say, but I'm happy to eat a bit of humble pie and say that actually when he did come on, it didn't seem to make an ounce of difference in the way that I thought it might. If we can't, if we both agree that the criticism of the lineup would be harsh because of the momentum and, and the run that we've been on, can we then criticize the game management? Because the only change was the Jorginho change. He came on for Leandro Trossard. And Kai Havertz, of course, went up front. And I know that we haven't got that many options off the bench at the minute, but would you have liked to have seen Emil Smith-Rowe introduced? Would you have liked to see Reese Nelson introduced on that left-hand side, which I believe is probably his best position? Because for me tonight, Gabriel Martinelli was a little bit wasteful and, and nowhere near as effective as, as you know we've come to expect. Yeah, definitely. And that's where a lot of criticism comes towards Arteta with um, us and our performances in Europe. And I I definitely think he should have made a substitution um, later into the game and even earlier than, than, than he did bring when he did bring on Jorginho. And a big factor is for me with that, Harry is we've got Newcastle away. I mean, Newcastle at home, sorry, on Saturday playing three games in a week with, the same side is very difficult. I think when we look at Manchester City against Chelsea, that was a bit of a knock-on effect for them, playing against Copenhagen in midweek and not quite being at it at their level in the first 45 minutes. And 
I think there needed to be a bit more freshening up on that on, on that left hand side in particular with a Reese Nelson with a Mill Smith role. I do think that Trossard coming off was the right substitution, in fact. But maybe we could have seen a Mill Smith role who who is someone that likes to work with in, in neat and in tight areas. But then again, Arteta is really going to be looking at this, and if it wasn't for just a a, 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 a moment of brilliance from Galeno and something we can criticise with Martinelli um, giving the ball away cheaply it would be nil-nil and the tie, yes, it's still in reach but it'd look, a, it'd look better and we'd be like, okay, with it, with it all to play for at home, we're not, we wouldn't have been behind and we would have the, have the confidence and the atmosphere behind us and um, a lot more a belief going into that game and now we are a goal down and Arteta's spoken about this a lot being being switched on in very molten, very important moments. And you kind of saw that from the players in, in, in previous games when we have been clearing five and six nil up, but celebrating key blocks in the 90th minute, trying to instill that, that discipline and that standards across. I just think that maybe again, Martinelli is giving a wall away so cheaply because He's not as switched on, as concentrated. He's a bit lethargic. He played 90 minutes on the weekend. So I do have some criticism for Arteta for not making those types of changes there. But again, when we talk about defeat, it's a lot. It's easy to look at substitutions and those things because that's the that's the one thing that we can say. Oh, should have changed this, should have changed that. But a lot of the performances from the players on the pitch who we rate so highly, who are on big contracts now, um, playing in, in 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 the Champions League, we expect them to to take a bit more um, onus on this and to stamp their authority and show their quality. And Martinelli is one of them who I was really frustrated with tonight. Yeah, I was frustrated with him too, but he wasn't the only one. And I and, and I don't want to single out, you know, Gabriel Martinelli or anybody else for that matter, because I just thought as a collective, we weren't good enough tonight. I, I kind of like figure it in my mind like this. I feel like 60% of the reason that Arsenal didn't win the game tonight or didn't even get a positive result in the end was because we were below par. But I also think at least 40% of it was down to Porto being really, really good defensively. And I think they really were. And it's very easy after a disappointing result to kind of get caught up in the wave of negativity and only focus on the stuff that your team didn't do so well. And sometimes you do need to look at how the opposition nullified you, how it was that they limited you to not even a single attempt on target. And you have to take that away and, and almost not allow this kind of cloud of rage and disappointment to take over and actually go away and figure out what it is that they did so that the next time around, you're better equipped. And I, I'm going to bring up my little, uh, my tactics board, as you guys know, I, I do love uh, a tactics board because I think there was one thing in particular that Porto did extremely well tonight that limited Arsenal. And and I think they deserve a lot of praise for this. That's not to say that Arsenal were good enough. It's not to say I'm making excuses for the team. We'll come back to our team in a second. But I do think there are things that Porto did really, really well that we just couldn't handle. So if I take you over uh, to the tactics board, they seemed to line up with what kind of looked like a 4-2-3-1. And when we had the ball at the back and we do our thing, which I talked about quite a bit 
on yesterday's show of um, shifting, morphing into this kind of back five where Saliba comes across, Gabriel comes across, Kivior becomes the left centre-back and then White goes infield alongside Declan Rice. And then Arsenal end up trying to push up and creating this front five of Martinelli, Havertz, Trossard, Odegaard and Saka. I thought Porto pressed really aggressively um, at times, particularly early on in the game. But they managed to find this perfect balance, which is really, really difficult to do, of pressing us aggressively so that we didn't have enough time on the ball to pick passes from the defence and work them into the midfield. But at the same time, this space here, Tariq, the space in between the lines, right, between their defensive line and their midfield line, which is the area Arsenal caused teams so many problems in. That's where you want to place that front five that I always talk about. You want to work the ball into those areas and you want to get those guys turning and running at the back line. I think we only managed to play a pass like that. And when I say a pass like that, I'm talking about a pass like this from one of those midfielders into an Odegaard or into a Havertz, you know, those guys that move into the half spaces. I can only think of us doing that maybe two or three times in the game. And on a couple of occasions, the ball was miscontrolled, which is out of character for somebody like, for example, Martin Odegaard. But it just wasn't working for us tonight. So I want to watch the game back again, and I will watch the game back again tomorrow in full. But I I can't get my head around how Porto were able to be aggressive when they were pressing us at certain points, but also limit that space that I'm talking about there in between their defensive and midfield lines and cut off the passing lanes into that part of the pitch. That's a really, really well-drilled side and they deserve a lot of praise for that and a lot of credit for that. There's things that we could have done better, of course, and and we'll we'll shift the focus back to Arsenal um, now. But that was a real big part of their game plan tonight and it's a weird one because the game was heading towards a nil-nil draw and although I was annoyed by the performance and disappointed by the performance I was quite content with that result I I, I was sitting there and I was thinking okay you know we're we're not going to get anything more than the draw here but there is no away goal rule anymore so we've not missed this opportunity to nick an away goal which you know otherwise in previous years would be really, really disappointing. It's fine. We take them back to the Emirates one-off game, beat them on our own patch, and we go through to the next round. Not a problem. So I'm interested to know from you how much that late goal changes your mood and how much it changes your assessment of the night overall. Um, It doesn't really change that much in terms of my assessment, you know, Harry, but I can sense that even with the chat and looking on social media as well, it's changed a lot of the Arsenal fans' mood. And I understand that there is a lot of nervousness and with Arsenal's record in Europe and Arteta's, especially, especially going away and playing against Portuguese sides, having um, lost and, and being knocked out by Sporting CP last year. But it doesn't change what the objective is for Arsenal in that second leg. We Arsenal expected to win that game anyway. Um, and yet yeah, two nil or three, one victory does that for us. And 
With the away goal not being a factor, as you mentioned, there isn't that pressure. Whereas if Porto score, oh my word, we have to score two um, anyway, because we need to do that essentially anyway to win the game. Um, so it hasn't changed my assessment on, on, on a lot of this. And I thought, again, just going back into your tactical point, I thought Alan Varela, he was outstanding for them in, in covering the space between the lines. And whenever there was an, um, an opportunity where Martinelli beat Pepe, he was there to recover. And I thought they did that really well. And we just weren't quite as sharp with our with our control and touches in those areas. So it hasn't changed my outlook on what this Arsenal performance was. Yes, it was tepid. We, we, we looked like we looked toothless and we couldn't get... Trossard involved deeper into the game where he's able to really connect with our front line and 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 Havertz and go out there and, and to the left with Martinelli. Um, so it doesn't change what we need to do. And I don't think it will change the confidence of Arsenal players going into this. It will be interesting to see the atmosphere at the Emirates for that. Um, if and in and, and, and if the game state does change at any point how the Arsenal fans will react and I think it's going to be so vital for us to to be as confident and show as much belief for the for the players because that that energy does transcend into the team um so I think it's going to be more of an in hindrance to the atmosphere rather than the game plan of Arteta and the players going into that second leg yeah I mean yeah you're right you're right on that um the away goal thing means that when you come away from the away leg and you haven't scored, there isn't really any need to feel too much disappointment because, you know, it doesn't count for anything more and there isn't that fear that they're going to come to your place and get one which then tips the tie in their favour. Guys, um, get your questions and get your thoughts in. I'm going to pick up a few of those um, while we are uh, live right now. Uh, Juice says, uh, facts, Harry Porto were well drilled. Dr. Mohamed says, come on, that Porto team is so weak. They're not a great side, but they're in the round of 16 of the UEFA Champions League, which means they're in theory one of the best 16 teams in Europe. So they're no mugs, are they? They're, they're no, and, and this is the bit that annoys me. And, and it's not specific to you, Mohammed. I know a lot of people have this opinion. I just feel like, you know, for a side that haven't been in the Champions League for so long, like us, for a side that when we were last in the Champions League went six, seven years without ever making it past the round of 16. I, I, I just think, you know, we're not in a position to be snobs about it. And we're not in a position to look at clubs like FC Porto, who are there year in, year out and say, well, they're useless and we've got this divine right to beat them. It, it doesn't work like that. Football doesn't work like that. And also what I'd say is, Mohammed is Porto, do my research into it. They don't concede many goals in the league. They've not conceded many goals in the Champions League. And looking at the the game against the games against Barcelona, they had they were the better side at the Dragao for clearly, and they should have. It was a, a lackadaisical error that allowed Barcelona to score and take that one 0 victory. So they are very well drilled and well set up. And Conte Sau has done an excellent job in that. The struggles that they've had, his scoring and Harry, you made a good point when we was talking about the defense. They didn't create too many chances of no. Of course, Galeno had the big one in the first half, and then even the goal. You wouldn't really class that as a, a chance. It was more of a half chance and, and a want yeah. and a thing of beauty. Yeah, it wasn't a chance at all, really, was it? No. Um, Aaron says, what a waste of a trip to Porto. Absolutely toilet. I can understand why Arsenal fans that made the trip will be really, really disappointed by what they've seen um, tonight. I woke up this morning. I, I sort of, 
I wasn't ever going to this game. I'd said from when the draw came out, look, I've been to Porto already this year. You know, with work, it's really, really difficult to disappear for a load of days when, you know, you're working for multiple people. It's quite difficult to just vanish. Um, Also, my wife has been on jury service, which is the biggest pain in my backside the last two weeks. So I would have struggled to kind of make it work with the kids and all of that. And and so it was never happening for me. But when I woke up this morning, I was and I saw everybody's videos and pictures of like being on the plane and ready to go. And then I was sitting there in the afternoon and they were all sharing videos of being down by the river and enjoying themselves. I thought to myself, oh, man, I wish I went. I'll tell you what, sitting here right now at 11 p.m. on Wednesday night, I'm glad I didn't um, because I'd have been really, really disappointed. The trip's, you know, great in itself. And I'm sure they've had a great time outside of the football, but the football really does dictate the mood that you're leaving. Uh, Per says, I feel like every time two players held each other's shirts, Porto got a free kick. It did feel like that um, at times. Uh, Arsenal uh, content says one more minute and we would have been happy with the draw. It is what it is, guys. Let's create an incredible atmosphere in three weeks. Yeah. And and that's kind of the point that we were making a little bit earlier on. Yes, we get the draw. And I think the outlook is very, very different. Um, But I would have still been sitting here talking about the poor performance because I think you have to. I think when you've, you know, been playing this free-flowing attacking football for a number of weeks now and then you see a performance like that, it does come as a shock. Now, I appreciate that the level of the opposition tonight was very, very different, but still, you know, to not register a single shot on target for me it is pretty disappointing. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Gunner Deja Vu is obviously not happy. He says, I have zero faith in this team to perform on the big stage. Um, the N16 says, uh, not the end of the world. We have another 90 minutes playing at home. Absolutely. This is by no means over. Um, Tariq, I do want to get your thoughts, though, on the goal that we conceded. Because, first of all, Martinelli gives the ball away trying to play that ball in behind the Porto defence. And I, look, I'm not going to sit there and, and tear apart a player for uh, trying to find and engineer some sort of winning goal in that circumstance. And we certainly had enough players back behind the ball for it not to be a really wild, crazy and stupid decision. But it turned out to be quite naive, given what we know followed it, obviously. But I just I just want to bring this up, right, because I know that. I know that um, that Ali McCoist made this point in the co-commentary and he said he'd like to have another look at it. David Raya, Tariq, is he to blame at all for Arsenal conceding this goal? Initially, when I first saw it, I thought that getting beat from that far out and the ball ending up in the bottom corner is pretty poor. And I thought, okay, Raya, surely you've got to do better. Can you, Ali McCoy's pointed out and he says, can you adjust your feet quicker? Can you go move closer to that side of the goal with before you make the dive and commit to try and make the save? But then when you have a look at it, I, I am... I'm taking a little, I'm, I'm not blaming as Raya as much because there is a lot of whip on that. And because he strikes it so early, Harry, that makes it difficult for the keeper to adjust his position and to adjust his feet with bodies in front of him with the amount of whip that he gets on it. Because goalkeepers are taught to 
to adjust as as um, um, to try and adjust their feet in, in the positioning cook towards the goal. That's why you see them always check the check over their shoulders, see where the posts are. But strikers and attackers are, are taught to try and strike it as early as possible to catch the goalkeeper out. So for me. I can't blame David Ra too much on that um, for that goal there. It's more of a wonderful strike and a poor giveaway from Martinelli in that situation. Um, and I, I, I mentioned to you before, I said it, it, it beyond the show, I said it, it did seem naive from him. But then when you look at it back, the option is there to try and break with Erdegaard and Saka. It's just awful execution from Martinelli in that moment. But what I didn't like is before that as well, Harry, we cut, we gave the ball away and won it back on two occasions, Rice yeah. and Gabriel. So it became a bit of a basketball match, which from what we know from watching Arsenal this season, that is what the opponents want to do because we have so much emphasis on control, so much emphasis on um, trying to cause teams, trying to nullify their threat. And when it became a bit open and a bit more stretched, as again, we had bodies back there, but that's what Porto would have thrived on. And that's what the opposition teams that we faced, West Ham, Fulham, in the, in our defeats that we had before um, before our big uh, running run, is that that's what they've they've done to us. So, yeah, but there's still a lot to play for in, in, in the second leg for that. And early starts, and we'll be able to be a bit more aggressive at home, I do feel. And I do think that the home factor with referees definitely is a is a thing in European yeah. competition. Because um, we've had, I mean, even against Lons and our 6-0 victory, we had a, a favourable decision with a penalty there. Um, so, and I felt that Porto were getting so much from set pieces and we we did have an opportunity of our own in there too. So yeah, I think that we can cause them problems from set pieces and from open play uh, a little bit more if we improve in certain aspects. Cotton is giving me a little bit of crap in the uh, in the chat box because uh, I said that Arsenal could win the Champions League this year and that Arsenal uh, should only really fear uh, Manchester City. I stick by that. This is a one-off game. They're not one-off ties, are they? They're two-legged ties. So if Arsenal go out at this stage to FC Porto, you're well within your rights to come back in the chat and have a go and say, yeah, where, where's your prediction now? I've never understood why people like to go early on this stuff, right? Because based on what we've seen of this Arsenal side this season and last season, this side are more than capable of putting FC Porto to the sword at Emirates Stadium. The last time we played Porto in the Champions League, round the 16, and I think we lost over in Porto, we then beat them 5-0 in the reverse leg and Nicholas Bentner scored a hat-trick. Okay, some of these teams, they don't travel so well. And that's always been the case. So, you know, I, I still, this doesn't make a difference to how I see Arsenal's chances of winning the competition. Not at this stage. Um, you know, let's talk about it after the second leg. Um, he then goes on and says, no, it's because you said it's snobbery to underestimate Porto, but you did that with Real Madrid and Bayern. I never underestimated any of them. I said, that on our day, we are capable of beating any of them. If we draw any of those sides, do you think I'll be sitting on a preview show saying that we're going to steamroll them? No. One week, I'm criticised for being too careful when I say, you know, West Ham away could be a tricky fixture. And then we go and win 6-0. And it's, oh my God, why'd you say it was tricky? You're just being careful. And now, you know, uh, it's, it's the other way around. So, uh, no, mate, you haven't got your victory that you want um, because uh, the tie's not over yet. 
If Arsenal go and put six past Porto in the second leg, what are you going to be saying then? Um, just back to the, just very, very quickly on the, the goal that we conceded. I think you're right, Tariq. I think there were issues in in the um, the lead up to it. I think we gave the ball away too cheaply on more than one occasion when at that point, an experienced European outfit probably go, okay, not our night tonight. We've not played very well. We haven't created the chances that we'd like to create. Look at the, have a glance up at the screen in the stadium, have a look at the clock and say, let's just get out of here with the draw and we're taken back to our place and we'll do the business. When I've watched the goal back after the game and I, and I've only got this one freeze frame, um, to use right now. But when I look at this here, this is kind of when the shot is sort of halfway towards David Raya's goal. For me, he's too slow to react to it. Like the ball is halfway towards his goal and he's only just started to kind of move his feet. And I think that if he moves his feet a little bit earlier, then he gets to take that extra step before he leaps into his dive and then he probably gets something on it. Now, sometimes you look at these types of shots, and I think the trajectory is really, really important, right? The, the shot comes towards you. And if it's it starts high and it loops, then I've got a lot of sympathy for a goalkeeper in that situation, in that scenario. But I don't think at any point this shot reaches the kind of height and trajectory that should cause David Raya problems from that distance. I think it's caught him unawares, and I think he's not quite got his footwork right in order to make sure that he can launch himself into the dive at the right point to then make the save. Now, I'm not saying this is a glaring error because I think that would be unfair. I'm being hypercritical, and I realise that. But I do think that when you analyse David Raya's role in that goal, he could have done more, he could have done better, and the main reason for that, as I kind of said at the beginning of that little segment, is the trajectory of the ball is not one that I would expect to catch a goalkeeper out. So could he do better? Yes. Am I maybe being a little bit too critical? Possibly. But it's it's one of those things, you know, that the very elite level goalkeepers, they probably don't concede that. Am I being am I being fair? I think you're fair to criticize because that's the initially what I thought with that too. Um he does commit to the dive late and he, instead of committing to the dive he could have adjusted his feet absolutely but I'd just like to point out with Raya there too uh, is because even though I know you're not doing this Harry but there's a lot of people making a big song and dance about it now in terms of oh this is this is Raya this this is why you know bringing that rehashing that old debate that we Get that we're sick of <laughs> exactly <laughs> but I thought he had a very good game before, including stopping many crosses into the box, collecting the ball, trying to set Arsenal, trying to add some of that impetus with us going forward, releasing it early. We didn't quite have the bodies flooding forward like we've seen previously, like against Crystal Palace, for example. The spaces weren't there because Porto were a bit more rigid. Um, so, yeah, I do. I, in that moment, I think he could have done better, but Raya thought was decent throughout the game and, and prevented a lot too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't think his overall performance was bad. It's just that mm. when I watched it back again, I just thought if he if he moves his feet a little bit earlier and a little bit quicker, 
then he probably dives at a slightly more advanced point in terms of as he's sort of moving towards the left of his goal. And if he does that, maybe the ball doesn't dip over him the way it does. I don't know. One thing I'd say is um, I'd like to see Raya's view from that if there was bodies in front of him in that moment, because if he if he does dive late, but maybe he sees the ball late because there was quite a few bodies. Rice, um, Saliba was there. So That's a good point. You can see it here. Yeah. You know, there's there's at least Jorginho. Is that Rice there as well? Yeah. It's kind of gone out to him. And then you've got the two. Uh, you've got Saliba there. You've got White. There. You, that's a great point. It's a great point. You know, yeah. there are a fair few bodies around uh, Galeno as he kind of prepares that strike. But it's just like it doesn't have that much venom in it. it, no. it, it it's really well placed. Yes. But from that distance, I feel like you've got enough time as a goalkeeper. To, to readjust and, and to, to set yourself right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I'm just looking through my notes. Like, I was trying to make a few notes on my phone um, as the game was ongoing, but like nothing really was happening, to be honest. I mean, th these are the things that I wrote down. And, and feel free to chuck your questions in, guys, and we'll, we'll come to those uh, to kind of wrap up the show. But these were the, some of the things I put. The Galeno double chance, which we've touched on. Can't believe that stayed out, to be honest with you. Um, I've put ball progression too slow. Spacing between the lines. Well defended by Porto. Lots of the ball, but not enough penetration. I've put Trossard anonymous, because I thought he was tonight. Um, what did you make of that volleyed effort from the corner? I mean, it's an incredibly difficult skill. But given the space, the time that he had and, and the quality of the delivery for De from Declan Rice, should he have done better? Absolutely should have done better for me, Harry, because of the quality of the player that we have there in that situation. And it's not too high where he has to try and strike it at a difficult height and keep it down. He's got to do better in, in that scenario and keeping it on target um, to force the keeper to make the save. I do believe the referee did blow for a free kick in that scenario, which was never a foul anyway um, in that situation. But I think the, the, the opportunities that we did have do, did come from set pieces. Saliba should have done better with his header in the first half um, where Otavio drops down and he gets tripped up by his own player, uh, I believe. And Saliba just kind of reacts and a little bit late. And he started sort of headed it like he closed his eyes in that scenario instead of head, heading it in the back in the direction where the ball comes from, which is why a lot of coaches do like to teach um, from with, with crosses from, from that side. So I think the problems we cause from them on set pieces will be a factor in the second leg. And as long as we don't get a referee that calls for quite nothing in those scenarios, maybe we'll get a bit more joy. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the other things I, I, I noted down were streetwise Porto, but we've already touched on that. Um, and on 70 minutes, I made a note saying we haven't worked the goalkeeper once. So that, you know, everything that I kind of had in mind to discuss and, and to talk about, we, we've basically done it. Um, I want to do some player ratings. We'll take a really, really short pause and then we'll do those player ratings. This is going to be... Not quite as fun as it has been in the last couple of weeks, I would say. But hey, it's got to be done. Coming up after the break, our Arsenal player ratings. Okay, we're going to take some of your questions in just a moment. But first, let's quickly run through the starting 11 and dish out 
our player ratings. Uh, let's start with David Raya. Uh, Tariq, um, as you're the guest, I'll, I'll let you um, have the uh, the final say on each of the ratings. I'll provide my rating, but yours will go on record. So, uh, David Raya. For me, with David Raya, because he did make a, a prevent a lot and try to get us going from with counter attacks when he did pick up those crosses. Um, I can't give him anything lower than a six. So I'm happy to give David Raya a six, and because I do feel like he could. I agree with you. He could have done better with that goal. Um, I won't harsh rate him too harshly because it's not an an error where an out, an outrageous error, which he should be definitely saving. I just think he could have done more to prevent that there. So for me, David Rara six, I'm going to give him a four, but your six Ooh. is the one that goes on record. I, I just, I, I think I, you're right to say that he caught some crosses. I can only think of one or two though, that were even remotely difficult. Like there were a few deliveries into his near post area, which he just sort of took in his chest. And I just think, you know, your bog standard, goalkeeper claims them so mm. i'm not going to give him too much praise for the crosses it's, it's tough I, I i obviously think that he was more at fault than you do for the mm. goal which i think explains the difference in our ratings ben white were you giving ben white i'll be honest i didn't think ben white had a great game in possession Tonight, tonight, giving the ball away on on a numerous occasions. I don't have the statistics to hand, but we know with Ben White with that long switch, he didn't get much joy from that at all. To be honest, not not a problem defensively. He didn't. Um, he wasn't caught like Galeno didn't cause too many problems one v one against him. But in possession, which is the role that he had in, in tonight's game, inverting in that midfield, trying to get it out to Martinelli with a switch or forward to Saka as quickly as possible. I would have to give Ben White a five, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I agree with that. I think that he struggled to progress the ball um, as, as well as we know he can. I'm starting to think, and maybe this is very reactionary of me, but I'm starting to think that maybe he's not as good as that, as good at that as we thought after a couple of games against some really, really poor opposition. And I know this is going to be controversial because people hate it when I say this, but dare I say we maybe missed Zinchenko. Harry, I'm with you always on this one. And I get a lot of backlash when I, when I speak to people about Zinchenko here too. Someone to be able to progress that ball, take that risk, but I do it with such quality in his execution. I, a lot gets made of it when he does give the ball away and when he does get beaten defensively. But he's so important for us in, in these types of games in progressing it and showing his personality, which is Arteta says a lot. And we miss that tonight. Okay, let's do uh, William Saliba. What are you giving him? I can't give William Saliba um, much. Can I give him any higher than Ben White? Yes, he had a big defensive interception in, in, in the second half. Um, but Galeno's chance, which he should have scored, it comes from him being lackadaisical and switching off. If you're giving Raya a four, can I? Is it? I'm going to give Saliba a four for that. Um, not as good in possession. I think, you know, when you're speaking about Ben White inverting, I don't quite feel as comfortable Saliba playing in that right centre-back role, which has to be a lot more wider. Um, he's very good in possession, Saliba. He wasn't tonight, but out wide, being a so far outstretched, he did, 
he's someone that I like being central because he, op- he, he he's got no bias in his angle in receiving the ball. So he can play it to the towards the left. He can go towards the right and really open up the opposition and keep give keep them guessing. I think he made it a little bit predictable um and and not really providing much service to Saka. And when we sh- we when we don't get our wide players as involved as far up advanced at the pitch as isolated as as we can do then we tend to struggle so for me i'm, I'm, I'm going to give Saliba a four hey i agree with that and i agree with you that there's something in Saliba not looking quite as comfortable when he's playing on the right of that back three that we seem to morph into yeah. um, when we're in possession I, I noticed it at west ham i didn't think it was he was that good at West Ham, but they were so bad that it, it kind of didn't matter. Um, and, and there were a couple of moments where I thought he kind of got away with not being at his brilliant best. Again, Burnley, not very good. Um, so, you know, there was no nothing really to see there in terms of William Saliba. But today, I think a four is about right. Where are we going with Gabriel? Out of, the, out of the defenders, he was the best for me. Um, he was the best. He, he looked assured in his duels, very strong, holding them off. Um, looked okay in possession there too. Um, I thought he was better in possession out of any of our defenders, to be honest. Um, I think he could have done better for that Galeno chance as well in stopping the cross coming through. Um but apart from and giving the ball away in that moment and and and, and making it a bit more of a transition kind of moment there, I, I, I would like to give him a seven, but for that, I'll give him a six. Okay, I, I would give him a seven. So should we give him yeah. a six and a half? Should we, you know what? Let's give him a seven. I'm happy with that because I did think right. he did play quite well. Yeah. Jakub Kivio. <sighs> Jakub Kivio struggled. Um, in certain moments, picked up that yellow card. I like Jakub Kivio with his passing. Was that we didn't really see much from that tonight. I'm trying to think, was there one occasion, Harry, that he played a good ball through um, the lines? He, 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 he started very wide, being a more of a traditional left back. And then when we made that substitution, he inverted and Ben White was been much more further but we didn't get him involved at all in that so yeah I can't give Kivio I have to give Kivio a three because I didn't have that confidence defensively in him in those yeah in those 1v1 moments for me yeah but what were you thinking would you do you think I'm being a bit too harsh with that I would have given him a five but your rating stand here not mine so I will go with the three yeah (laughs) um Declan Rice after that yellow card, I think he really grew into the game, and he, he was a lot better um, in that in that moment um, for me. Struggled to progress the ball forward quickly, and that's kind of what you want from from Declan Rice. I'm not saying he was poor in that, and and maybe there's a bit more to it in terms of the tactical switch switches that Arteta needs to make. But I'm sure when Harry does his show, um, talking a bit more about this after he's watched the game, he'll be able to look a bit more into that. But I thought he was quite good in stopping a few transitions um, moments, especially on a yellow card, because that can be quite difficult in these European games away from home when you're seeing the referee give so much. There was one moment in the first half where he won the ball and Erdegaard picked up in a dangerous area and the referee gave a free kick and it was never a foul. Like, And it was, I found that very frustrating because that could have been a potential moment for us there. If we're giving Gabriel a seven, I'm happy to give Declan Rice a seven also. Yeah, I agree. And and most of that for me, uh, he was okay, Declan Rice, but most of that for me was the fact that he managed to avoid picking up a, a second yellow card 
uh, given that he picked up the first one so early on in the game. Um, I want to take it to the front line first and then we'll come back to Havertz and Odegaard in a minute. Let's let's for me, the front line were all pretty underwhelming. I think yeah. Saka was slightly better than the other two, but still also underwhelming in his own right. What are you giving the front three? Let's kind of fire through these because uh, for me, Martinelli four, Trossard four. Yeah, Where, yeah. I think yeah. if you, I think we have to give Trossard a bit lower. I feel that for being anonymous and not getting as involved in the game and um, and with oh, some three. of that chance is put, put to him. Yeah, same as Kivior for me okay. with, with a three for Trossard. Um, yeah, three and, and fours for Saka and Martinelli. Okay. Havertz, you going with him? Again, it's, it's very interesting. Always a hot topic talking about Havertz. In this game... There was he's there was a moment where he gave where he Martinelli could have had a bit more of a joy down on that left, but it was a poor pass that was cut out in the end. I, I, I can't really give anything higher than a four either for Havertz for that because there wasn't. I didn't think he was poor. I thought defensively he won. He, there, was, there was one moment in the center of the pitch where he won the ball for us and tried to progress us forward and did well off the ball and and out of possession, but. Yeah, didn't pose much going forward. Wasn't as um, be- at his best as we saw against Burn in the weekend. So yeah, four for Havertz for me. Okay, four for Havertz. Martin Odegaard. I thought he was uh, the only player who looked calm in possession within the first half, and who the only player who looked like, okay, I'm going to try and do something in this game, and then unlike the others where I think we slightly increased our performance in the second half, I think we he, he wasn't as good or wasn't as lively as he was in there. And he had a few crossing opportunities, which were poor um, from free kicks and set pieces from Erdegaard. But I, I can't, I probably have to give him the highest out of those, out of the front four. So can I, is it all right if I can give him a five? Would yeah, you agree sure. with that? Yeah, five. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, Sometimes, you know, we we can be a little bit harsh on individuals when actually if the system is not working and the collective unit isn't really working, it can have a massive impact, right? You can get into all the right positions. You can get on the ball and then the, the through passes, for example, that you made your name playing aren't on and all of a sudden it makes you look bad. So I think you always have to kind of think about the collective when you're giving people um, these ratings. For the manager... This is a new one that we're going to start doing, rating the manager in terms of his in-game management, team selection, all the things that the manager can control. I'm going to give Mikel Arteta a four because I don't have an issue whatsoever with the with the starting lineup. And I don't have an issue with him waiting even till 70 minutes because we were away from home. We were pretty solid. We didn't look at any point like we were going to concede with the exception of that one double chance. Could he have maybe injected a bit more energy with the likes of Reese Nelson? Probably for Gabriel Martinelli, who wasn't performing. You know, could he have done that? Could Eddie Nketiah have made a difference today? Again, so there was a good question that you pose. And when we, when we are here scratching our heads in terms of why we're not able to create any chances and we do have sort of those options off of the bench there too. Again, you're kind of looking at 
Vieira was brought into the squad. Why wasn't he brought on at any occasion? I know he's just come back from an injury and Arteta's been very cautious with players, but he's involved in the squad in that and having come back from training. I know he's been on the grass for a couple of weeks, according to reports. Why aren't we making these types of substitutions, at least later into the game with five minutes to go um, and to try and cause a bit more and have a bit more of a box presence in there? So, yeah, I agree with that rating there for Arteta, a four. Um, uh, because there were so many within that front line that didn't look that looked quite poor, and when that happens, you have to look at the manager and and say, tactically, did you change things that adjusted that gave us a bit more joy or got us into the final action um, and the final areas um, with more frequency? So then, are we kind of saying that? Are we saying that Arteta didn't make changes because he didn't? have a clue what he was doing or are we saying that Mikel Arteta was actually happy with the nil-nil and if he was happy with the nil-nil is that okay? I think yeah I think that's okay to be happy with a nil-nil away from home in a European leg and a European tie I think you've got to take that with with all things to play for coming back at home um it the Again, it's essentially in your hands there. Whereas we have to now score the first goal because of a late winner from Galeno. Uh, I think it's more to do with the latter, as you said, Harry. Happy to take the draw. I was, to be honest, I was happy to take the draw after the 77th minute because of how the game was going and how how it kind of petered in that moment. Um, I was thinking, okay, what can we do? Are we going to make any changes with the game against Newcastle looking ahead? Um, Because I always like to look at how Manchester City, what they've done before and post-Champions League games, before they played Everton, they made quite a few changes. They arrested De Bruyne, arrested Bernardo Silva. They were brought off of the bench and they brought them on because they were struggling that game, played them all against Copenhagen and played them again. It's going to be a tough ask looking at some Saturday now with Newcastle to expect the, the the level of performance to rise if it, and, and be kind of the level that we've seen against West Ham and Burnley. Um, it's going to be big. I think that's probably why I'm a bit more annoyed at him not making any substitutions, to be honest, Harry, with yeah. those games, with that game coming ahead. Three day, three games in a week. You think it's going to have a knock on effect, and and that's yeah, that's a fair assumption to have at this stage, or, or fair prediction to make because you know you're right. Like we don't really have the flexibility in terms of the selection, and this goes back to the point we were making earlier. How critical can you be of the team selection when a they've won six nil and five nil in their last two games, and b there isn't really an outstanding candidate to bring in the side. I don't think Fabio Vieira was ready um, mm. to, to to start a game and, and perhaps at nil-nil when Mikel Arteta would have been probably quite content with the result to take that risk maybe seems a little bit unnecessary. Plus, it's not like we were conceding a load of chances and so, you know, something needed to change. It's, it's sometimes as a manager, I think you do get into that place where a game is really finely balanced and poised, and you you're almost scared to make a change in case you upset the apple cart, and in case that leads to an imbalance somewhere that then costs you the game, or costs you a goal. So, I do have some sympathy for that situation. There's a lot of people in the chat. Tony Fulbrook said um, Arteta went not to lose as he's done before. Uh, does he need questioning? I, I don't think you can say that. I, I don't think that's fair to say that Arteta went 
only to not lose because he could have played Jorginho in midfield alongside Declan Rice and gone with that double defensive midfield pivot. And that would have been a lot more negative than what he actually opted to do. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not, not subscribing to that. I don't think that's a fair um, sort of comment to make, really. Like, it just... Do you see what I'm trying to say, Tariq? If, yeah. if he really was, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do a Mourinho and I'm going to park the bus and I'm going to get out of there with a nil-nil draw, that's not the team you pick to do that. No, you don't. You don't essentially set up with your five forwards when you're in possession. If you're doing that, um, you set up with a Jorginho to give a bit more stability within the base of the team um, in that in that scenario. So I don't think he set up for us not to lose. And with performances in Europe, guys, what we have to remember is no. Um, this is this is what tends to happen. If we, I um, know Harry watched the Inter versus Atletico Madrid game, and Inter Milan, Internazionale had a lot more opportunities and a lot more dangerous. But Atletico Madrid fans are looking at that, thinking, "Okay, they're coming back to our stadium now, and we're going to have a bit more confidence." Real Madrid, who well, who are the second favourites going into this, went to Leipzig. I know they won, but had Leipzig had plenty of opportunities within that first leg to score. Benjamin Sesko, who has been linked with us, um, um, he had so many, and he had a goal ruled out, which was rightly or wrongly for me, wrongly ruled out in that. And when you're looking at treble winning Manchester City in their away legs I remember they drew to Bayern Munich they drew to Real Madrid and I know this is high level of opposition but it just goes to show how these European ties are managed away from home you are going to be a bit more conservative and and that's why he didn't make those substitutions. I think you're right with that, Harry, to not try and upset the um, upset the apple cart in that set in that sense. So yeah. Still a lot to play for, guys, within that second leg. We are at home. We will still be the favourites going into it, um, into take, to take the win in that tie, given how we've impressed at home. Look at how we responded against Lons in that game there with that defeat away from home. We took our lessons. We learned from that, went away to Sevilla, grabbed a 2-1 victory. And hopefully by then, we will have some of our key players and individuals returning. So the Champions League man in Gabriel Jesus. Let's hope he's there. Um, so, yeah, we'll, go, we'll wait and see for that. Ian says, how important is the first goal in the second leg? Do you think we've matured enough to come back from it if we concede first in the second leg? Uh, but when he made that Jorginho sub late, he wished for a nil-nil draw. The, the first goal in the second leg is massive. It's huge because... If you score within 20 minutes at home, you know, you kick off the game, fast start, as we've seen many times under Mikel Arteta in recent years. You, you start like a house on fire. You come out of the traps fast. You get the first goal within the first 20 minutes. The mood in the place completely shifts and changes. And all of a sudden, it's backs to the wall for Porto. Porto were pleased with themselves tonight because they executed a game plan that was designed to get them to a point where it was a one-off game at the Emirates and who knows what can happen, right? That was their plan. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, we're going to plan to defend really well and come up with a smash and grab late on that, that nobody plans for that. That, that wasn't what, what they set out to do. What they set out to do was keep it tight and, you know, try and take the, any sort of limited chances that they could create 
And the hope would have been for Sergio Conceição's side that they can make this a one-off game at the Emirates where there's an opportunity for them and you, you never know. Yeah. Then they get the goal at the end of the game and they were very happy with themselves, obviously. And you could feel how much it meant to those inside the ground because, as I said in the preview shot, I think for, for clubs coming from the Portuguese league or, or various other leagues in Europe, you you beat a Premier League side, it's a scalp, isn't it? You've, you've taken a big scalp. But at the same time, they won't be going into the second leg thinking they're through. They, they will probably be thinking that was the absolute minimum that we needed to take with us to the Emirates. And we've got that now, so let's be positive about the second leg. But yeah, it's just it's just really, really interesting. Um, are we mature enough to come back? I've, I think we've seen some fantastic comebacks under Mikel Arteta. And involving this group of players, I, I wouldn't question their spirit, the passion, the fight, any of that stuff. Um, is there a chance that on Europe's biggest stage, tactically, we will be found out? Probably. There's probably a chance that that, that will happen. But I, I wouldn't ever question the maturity or the attitude, basically, is what I want to say there. Yeah. I think, Tariq, we're going to leave it there. Um, we'll do uh, another episode um, in the coming days where maybe we're feeling a little bit calmer, a little bit cooler. Uh, we're going to turn our attention on Friday, of course, to the game against Newcastle on Saturday evening. Um, but I feel like I'm feeling quite raw about it now. And tomorrow I'll obviously still be disappointed. But I think I'll be able to look at it for what it was, which was a really dull and awful game of football, to be honest that was decided by one moment. However, it's a two-legged tie and there's still plenty to play for. I mean, you're kind of summarising thoughts. Yeah, exactly that. Very frustrating tonight, guys. Um, very annoying um, with certain decisions that players were making, but still all to play for. My The biggest thing that we're going to be looking at with Arsenal is how we perform in both boxes in the leg. Um, Arteta stresses about that and always speaks about it, um, how, we, how we are. That's going to be the big question. When the chances fall to us, because we will get more chances at home, I'm quite confident at that. It's not going to be a plethora of chances. I don't believe you do get that in Europe against any sort of opposition because we are still fa uh, facing... We're out of the group stage now, so we're facing some top teams who are the best in their respective nations. So we are going to have chances. Can we take them in those vital moments against Porto? And can we remain concentrated throughout the 90 plus minutes in the second leg? All to play for, but very st still confident we can go through. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and I think we need to be um, because we certainly need to create that kind of positive atmosphere at Emirates Stadium for the second leg. You don't want the moans and groans. You don't want the the anxiousness kind of creeping in inside the stadium. I, I, we've been there before and it's not it's not helpful in any way, shape or form. Um, but I do think because of how far away the second leg is, mm. we kind of need to park this now and it, it can't affect the mood. It it can't be something that we dwell on. This is something that you've got to put in the draw now and, and take it out again in, in three weeks' time. Forget about it 
you know, now it's about Newcastle. Now it's about moving forward. And, and I'm sure that's what Mikel Arteta will be telling the players. I've just seen a quote from Declan Rice, who, who basically said something along the lines after the game of, you know, when you look up at the clock and you see that it's nil-nil at that time, you've got to be savvy enough to shut out the game. Yeah. Um, so the players will know full well what they did wrong tonight. I'll um, tell you what as well, Harry. This yeah. could be the last game we play before the international break because if Chelsea go and beat Leeds, that game is going to get rearranged. Um, so that's why it's quite big for that because of our mood going into that uh, that final international break of the season. Do you think we'd benefit from that break? Like, do you, do you want that break? Because I'm just looking at it now. Um, there would be... Yeah, the Porto game would be the the, the last game. That's correct. I mean, then the next game is is Manchester City. Do you do you want us to have even longer off before we play Man City? Because then it would be the twelfth of March that we play Porto in the second leg, and we wouldn't play City until the thirty first. Yeah, that it's it's can't it's not ideal. What it, if it means though that Partey's back and that Jesus is back and that Zinchenko's back and that Tommy Asu's back and that Timber's back? Then would it be worth it? That's the positive from it, from that, from that break happening there. It gets more opportunity to get those players back fit. And we know how Arsenal like to play a behind the closed door friendly, um, just in case they need to get a bit more minutes into their legs. I think that's the positive. Watford or Brentford or something. <laughs> Watford or Brentford, yeah, exactly. Um, that's who we like to face. So I do think, yes, there is that's the positive with us having that break, but then also are we going to lose a little bit of that rhythm? You know, what comes with the international break, players yeah. coming coming at different times, whatnot, especially the South Americans um, and, the, and, and the Far East Asians with the Tommy Asu, if he does get called up um, for Japan again. So, yeah, there are been, been positives, pros and cons going into it, but we definitely need a Thomas Partey, a Tommy Asu involved in that game against Manchester City to give us the best chance of getting a win. For sure. For sure. We're going to leave it there. Tariq, thanks so much for your time, mate. I know it's a really, uh, really late night one. A big thank you to everybody that's been uh, with us live on the YouTube channel. Really appreciate it. I wish we were talking about Arsenal under happier circumstances, but it is what it is. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. Please subscribe to the channel as well. If you're new, if you're listening on audio, leave us a review. Uh, give Tariq's channel a subscribe as well. I'll add the link into the description. Uh, Tariq Talks, go over there for some brilliant football content. Give him a follow on the socials as well. Uh, we'll be back very, very soon with more, but it's coming up to 20 to midnight here in London. I'm tired. I'm annoyed. I'm disappointed. And I've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning tomorrow so I'm just going to go and put my head down on the pillow and um, try and forget about that disaster class in Porto because it kind of feels like that's what it was until the next one take care of yourselves my thanks to Tariq and everybody who's tuned in goodbye